So the, the official name of this workshop is uh, Turning Down the Noise, okay? And it's really dealing with how, how do you hear from God and have a relationship with God in the midst of the noise of life? And so that, that assumes a few things. And one of the assumptions is life has a lot of noise to it. So before we get started officially, um, I want to just introduce myself. My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm a part of uh, Church in the Valley, which uh, a lot of the Christian Challenge students uh, go. Neil Walker's been a part of our church for a long time. And I'm the campus pastor of a church uh, in Alhambra, which is uh, close to, to Los Angeles, uh, for those of you that aren't in Southern California. And we, we started the church about uh, two years ago. And uh, for me personally, um, I get to see a lot of you know, college students each week that uh, are involved in the church, that come to the church. And so I'm really excited to be here just to be able to interact with more students. And so I commend you for choosing to be here over your spring break. You could be a lot of different places. And so we, my wife and I, we're actually going to be here uh, until Friday. And so I love to meet you. And so feel free sometime during the week. Um, to say hi, and I will say hi back. Yes, yes, you can. Does anyone else need any? Uh, so, so what I what I'd like just to start, and this is going to like mean interacting with uh, the people near you, okay? Because here's the thing: you guys are students, right? And so you go to a class, and like a professor talks a lot and you've trained yourself to like listen and pay attention, kind of. <laughs> or, you know, we fake it, we can do that. But my, my goal is to not just talk the whole time and have you guys listen, but to allow you guys to talk as well. And so what I'd like you to do is thinking in terms of your own life and the lives of people that you know, what would be considered like the noise? Things like that are distracting, things that uh, just kind of vie for your attention, okay? So your college students, what are the things that are wanting your attention in the life that you are living right now? So share that with somebody right next to you. So. Okay, let's, uh, let's bring it back. What's, 
what were some of the things? What are, what's some of the, the noise? What were some of the things you guys shared? Just shout it out. Friends. Friends, okay. School. School. Cell phone. Boys. Boys. <laughs> Everyone was thinking it. Good job. Okay. What else? Netflix. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Struck a chord. All right, what else? What was it? Work. Work. Okay. Video games. Video games. What are like video games nowadays? Like, no, I'm st I'm stuck on like Mario Three. You know, like. <coughs> like, what are specific games though? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Okay. Halo. Halo. Oh. <laughs> what else? What are, any other noises? Social media. Sports. Sports. Okay. Family. Family. Okay. Thank you, sir. And we might. We, I don't know. Do we have any more seats? Yeah. Is there one? Is there one? Do you want a stool? You good? All right. Cool. Um, so if if I were to start what I said with, instead of noise said, what are bad things, you wouldn't necessarily have said all those. Maybe boys. <laughs> but a lot of it's not necessarily bad. So when you're talking about noise in your life, it's not just bad things. But they're things that buy for our attention. So anytime you talk about hearing from God and actually getting to know him, that's your goal, you can't actually deal with the goal of getting to know God without dealing with the noise of your life. Because as I was thinking, like the other day, I was, having, I was having my quiet time, and I was sitting on my chair, and I had my coffee, and I started reading the scriptures, and what kept happening about every 30 seconds was things that like I've discovered are like habits for me, like I had my phone with me. And so it was like I would turn on my phone to check the time. And before I knew it, like I had pressed Facebook. I, I don't know if you've experienced that before. But I also, I, I look at Twitter a lot. Like I just, I like the random information. And what I was realizing, I was sitting there, like God, like help me, help me to focus on you. And before I knew it, I literally had stopped spending time with God. It was on my cell phone and I didn't even realize it. This was like, during my time with God. So I actually took a step back and thought, how is it possible that I, in the time that I've set apart to spend with God, without thinking, have stopped? And I'm looking on my phone. So then I stopped doing that. I just put my phone away. And then I, I was reading some more in the scriptures. And then like I thought about kind of what I had to do that day. And you know what? Before I knew it, I had my phone again, and then I looked at my calendar. Then that thing came to my mind. And what I realized is there's something in me, and I don't know if you've experienced it as well, but there's like this automation of information that we have where we can get immediate answers to, it, to pretty much anything. And because of that, with the access of technology, the access of social media, the access even of just kind of people at times, 
uh, it's so easy to just have a mind that's never really focused on one thing. Now, some call that ADD. I call that life. But it's hard for me. I just, it's hard for me to, to have my attention. And so it's interesting. You come to Hume Lake, and you don't have service on your phone. And then you actually realize the choice has been made for you. But it's only in those times that you realize a lot of things that just, and they really claw at your attention. And so the point of being at, away at a place like this, it actually is a good opportunity to show you some of the noise that you have. And so my goal in this workshop is to not just give you like different tools and ideas that can help you hear from God, but actually give you kind of some time to think, what's the things that prevent you from hearing from God? Because many times we've heard things about like how to read the Bible and how to pray and different acrostics and different strategies. But the bottom line is, if it's still a struggle, there's a reason. And if you don't deal with the reason, then you can't change. Okay? So my, my goal is for you, not just to like, I learned a new tool, but like to kind of take a look inside of you and say, if it's a struggle for me to spend time with God, why is that? And if it is, it's a struggle for all of us. And what I've realized more and more as the older I've gotten is you have to fight to hear from God. You have to fight to get to know him. And that's a reality. And so if you're willing to fight to get to know God and deal with the things in you that prevent you from getting to know him, then I think this workshop can be far better than just a 45-minute, like, I have a piece of paper that I can look at. Maybe never, right? Isn't that like you get workshop stuff and, like, you'll just put it in, like, a binder? I do this all the time. And you'll never look at it again. So it's not what's on the paper, but it's really like, okay, what's, what's going on inside me? So I'm wanting to approach this by, like, what's inside of us that makes the idea of getting to know God difficult? And so in this room, we're all in different places. Uh, some are more disciplined than others. But to deal with the noise, you, ha you have to talk about discipline because that's kind of trying to battle the things that prevent us from hearing from God. So question I have, and I want you to share this with somebody close to you as well. Could be the same people you just talked with, but why is it so hard to be disciplined? When you hear that word, like for some of you, discipline actually may be easy. For some, it may be hard. But why is it that it dorks us up? Just this idea of actually being intentional and disciplined about something. Go ahead and share that with the people near you.
Okay, let's bring it back. Shout it out. What, what were some what were some things? What makes discipline so difficult? So easy to make excuses. Okay. Lazy. Okay. I don't have the time to be disciplined. I've said that. Okay. And discipline, that may not be the case. How many of you would agree with the statement, I want it now? If you didn't raise your hand, you didn't hear me, what I asked. <laughs> Just kidding. What else? Lack, just lack of desire, yeah. There is always more fun things to do. It's so true. We can determine if it's discipline or now often. Yeah. A lack of discipline might be faith. That's right. Not only do you not get what you want, but you actually get what you don't want. That's right. All right. I'm glad you guys came. Wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> Workshop's over. <laughs> Discipline stinks. Um, go do it. Uh, but but the, the issue is, somebody in the back row, what's your name? You said you don't have desire. Cameron. Cameron, that, that, that's, that's a great point. Here's the thing with discipline. You actually have to have enough desire for you to do it. Okay, that makes sense. Like, that's not profound. But the issue is, if you don't do it, what does that mean about your desire? What does it mean? You don't have it. So when you're talking about spiritual things, if you're a follower of Christ, sometimes you're thinking, but I, I want to grow but I'm not doing it. So why aren't you doing it? Because I don't really want to grow. But I want to grow, but you're not doing it. You see what I mean? That, like people spend their lives doing that. Right? So unless you deal with your heart, most of the time, it's not that you don't want to spend time with God or you don't want to get to know God. It's on the priority list. It's on them because there's desire. The issue is not that it's not on the list. It's just not number one. It's the truth. When I don't spend time with God, everything that I do is more important than that. Right? I don't forget to eat. I have desire to eat. And you know what? Because I have desire to eat, I do it. But do I not spend time with God? Yes, yeah, sometimes I don't. So what I'm really saying, if you look at my life, because what I'm doing shows what's important to me, that eating is more important than spending time with God. And for each of us, that's different. But whatever we do shows what's important. Now, life isn't just doing all the things that you want to do. That's part of why the desire is so, such a key issue. Because you have to fight for it is meaning you're always having to push your desire to get to know God 
above other things that you also really want. <coughs> and you live a life where you can't just say, well, that's fine. I'm just going to spend my whole life getting to know God. You actually have to live and work and you have to go to school. So it's not that easy. It's complex. But you have to deal with the desire. And so part of it, if we're honest with ourselves, as we battle with this and as we struggle, it really comes down to, it's not that we don't want it. It's that there's other things that are more important. So one of the things you want to ask God is, what are those things? What are the things that you consistently do in your life compared to the spending time with God that you don't do consistently? And take a look at that. The good thing is you don't have to share that with your neighbor. Right? But it's just kind of think through that. Okay? So, that was like the intro. I haven't even started on the page, but what I just said is probably more important than like all the stuff on the packet. Now, as a workshop leader, you should never say that because then you don't have to listen the rest of the time. But there's still some helpful things that I hope you can get out of it, okay? So turn your packet over. Was it hard for anyone to not turn it over? Okay. It's a little, little hard. You know what that takes? The noises say it all. Uh, there's a quote by Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard, uh, he's, he, he's actually with Jesus now, but he was a professor uh, at USC. Right, Chris? He was at USC, philosophy professor. But he, he's actually written some things on uh, spiritual disciplines. And he has this quote, and this kind of illustrates what I was trying to say. Few people arise in the morning as hungry for God as they are for cornflakes or toast and eggs. Now, if you don't like cornflakes, like you fill in your cereal, okay? If you don't like eggs, just say what you do like. But it's the idea, like, I actually really do like coffee. But that's true. Like, every day we battle, and it's like, what's really important? That's what Dallas Willard's saying. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says this. Take time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Bodily fitness has a certain value, but spiritual fitness is essential, both for this present life and for the life to come. So the reason this is called turning down the noise and how that connects to spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline is really the processes that you take and the steps that you take in your life to turn down the noise of the things that buy for your attention other than God. That's what it is. And as you do that, you can become spiritually fit. It means that you are actually in tune with what God wants from your life. But the disciplines is this process of again and again daily choosing to turn down the noise. So spiritually fit, you have to be spiritually disciplined. To be spiritually disciplined, you have to deal with the things that buy for your attention. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about a quiet time. How many of you have heard that phrase, a quiet time? Okay. What does that mean? Here, I'm going to raise the ante up. Okay. What is a quiet time? In one word. What is a quiet time in one word? Worship. Worship, okay. Did you take yours? Communion, okay. Good. Yes. Prayer, okay. Relationship. Relationship, okay. Listen. You said listen, right? 
at first I was like, I think she said listen. I hope she didn't say glisten. If you did, that's still, we take all answers here. <laughs> Anything else? Study. What was it? Study. Study, okay. Devotion. Devotion. Go ahead, just yell it out. Self. That was two words. Uh, <laughs> say it again. Soap. Soap. Oh, I thought you were going to do, I thought you were like, soap, like, clean. I like that one too. I was like. Yeah, Irish spree. All right. Um, <laughs> sorry. That was like the first one I thought of. Actually, it was Lever 2000, but. Um, <laughs> a quiet time, it, it, it's, it's kind of this thing that, that it becomes a phrase. If, if, you're, if, if you're not a Christian and you've heard that, you're like, dude, what is this quiet time? Or if you're a new Christian, you've heard this. It's really a description of the process of getting to know God. But sometimes it gets lost on really what a quiet time is. Okay, so we're gonna talk a little bit about that because it's in a quiet time that you actually can develop spiritual disciplines which in turn help you to hear from God. Okay, so that, that's what we're gonna talk about. So quiet time is a daily time I set aside to be alone with God to get to know him through the Bible and prayer. Uh, it's not a task to check off, but a relationship to develop, okay? Most people would agree, like Christianity, you heard the phrase, it's not a religion, it's a relationship, right? That's like one of those like epic bumper sticker, just makes you feel good, you know? You just want to sing after it. Just me, right? But, um, <laughs> but you, you hear that, it's like, okay, it's not a religion, not a relationship. But then you have to take a step back, okay, well, if that's true, then what's the relationship like? And that's where it like doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. Because it's actually complex. Like, okay, if, if me and God are in a relationship, then really how is that relationship going? Well, quiet time is part of the process of that relationship being developed. So what you guys said about worship and relationship and prayer, the, that's, all, that's all involved in that. Because it's the, the development of your relationship with God. There's kind of, this is down at the bottom, but in the midst of spiritual disciplines, that idea of a task that you do, it's really easy to like, yeah, it's, it's not a task. But oftentimes, like a quiet time and spending time with God can be a task. Like you check it off. And so what tends to happen is we run into problems spiritually because we've spending time with God in this like window of time we have in our day. And then like once our quiet time is done, it's almost like the relationship is done. So it's like you, you converse with God in this time in the morning, maybe it's during breakfast, maybe it's after breakfast, maybe it's before breakfast, maybe it's at night, whenever it is. But there's a thing of quiet time where it's like, it's a relationship developed, but sometimes we think it's only confined to that time. And so you think in terms of relationship, if you had a friend, but you're talking with your friend, and you're like, you know, I really, I really value you. And I really appreciate you, and I want to spend time with you. But I'm only available 10 minutes every other day. But I really value you, and you're really important to me. Now, if that friend saw that, and then saw the amount of time you spent with other people, would that be the same? But oftentimes, we kind of talk about our relationship with God, but we actually don't put the time in 
to develop it. Does that make sense? So when you're talking about a quiet time, oftentimes we get this like specific time where this is where I am and this is what I'm doing. And sure, that's a part of it. But the reason you have that is to develop a relationship that actually is intersecting with your life. Okay? So it's not confined to this specific place in time. But it begins there and then it, it blossoms out. Okay? Um, why do a quiet time or, or why spend time with God? Uh, you'll see a few blanks there. First is it provides strength. Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary pray, place where he prayed. Um, Jesus continually used his time with God while he was on this earth to recharge and to draw his strength from God. That's pretty profound. It's like Jesus. Okay? But yet, he woke up very early to carve out that time. So it makes you realize, like, there was a certain priority that Jesus gave to that. And he has a lot more resources and strength than I have. But he made that, that, he made that a priority. Uh, second, why do it? It helps fuel an effective life. Um, to kind of learn how life works, you have to decide that you're going to actually find out. And a Christian is somebody who's decided that the Bible is going to be the primary the primary tool for which you decipher how life works. It's not media. It's not school. It's not parents. It's not experience. It's actually the scripture. And the reason that's the case is you realize that it's the scriptures that gives you the truth and allows you to actually see this is how God has designed reality to be and reality to work. And so you see there in 2 Timothy 3, there's this idea that you're, you're thoroughly equipped, like the scriptures can actually equip you for everything you're going to face. But that's really hard for us to grasp. Because I know for myself, I think I can handle quite a lot. But to admit to God that I'm actually not equipped to handle things, and I need the scriptures to actually prepare me, that takes humility, and that's part of the battle. Because every time I don't carve out the time to read the Bible... I'm telling God, I got this. I have the resources. I have the information. I have the tools. I have the power to do this by myself. And what I realize is that kind of flows in me a lot. But then I hit the moments when I realize I don't. I don't know how to figure this situation. I don't have to deal with this conflict. I don't know how to deal with this relationship. And so it's, there's always this constant pull. I have to realize that my time with God cannot be disconnected from my effectiveness in life. The trouble we get in is we are oftentimes very effective without God. And so we just run its course until we hit the wall and realize, well, I've, I've wasted a lot of time. And what I thought was effective, actually, I have nothing to show for it. And so there's a battle there. Uh, the other thing, time with God and getting to know him, it provides spiritual health and protection. Psalm 119, uh, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I don't know, you may have heard that before. There's an idea that's kind of like you actually can prevent destruction by listening to God. If God is really loving and gracious, and he's provided the scriptures to help you, if you take his advice and you take him at his word, you're going to actually choose paths 
to walk on and not choose other paths. And in that, the scriptures say you'll be protected from snares, the things that will cause problems. Okay? Is this making sense so far? All right. So what's the key of all the spiritual disciplines? Two words. Life change. That's the key. Whose life? <laughs> yeah, yours. Sometimes when you're having a quiet time and you've got a plan for somebody else, you may need to slow down. Because God wants to use that time to deal with us, to deal with where we're at. So life change. The thing that I always try to remind myself, it's another word, and it's, it's surrender. My time with God is really the opportunity I have to choose each day to surrender to him. If I've had like 20 minutes of scripture reading and 20 minutes of prayer and I'm singing worship songs and I'm memorizing scripture, but I still have not surrendered my heart and said, God, I want to live for you today, then I haven't really had a quiet time. I've done the tasks, but I've not dealt with my heart. So surrender is what you do in your heart to say, okay, God, I want to read the scriptures and I want to prayer because I want to align what I want, my desires, and my strategies with you. So you have to constantly deal with your heart. There's times where I'm reading and I'm praying and I just have to stop and I say, God, my heart is, is hard right now. I really don't. I don't want to spend time with you. Will you, will you help me? Will you help me to want to spend time with you? There's times where, like, I'm, I'm listening to worship songs and I'm singing the words, and I realize, like, I'm not really meaning that. I'm not. So, God, help me deal with my stubbornness. Help me deal with the fact that I'm just going through the motions. And the good news is, as you do that, over time, you realize that that surrender, that surrender is just, it, that's the thing you have to keep getting to. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, to do that, to experience the life change and surrender, over time, this happens as, as we apply the scriptures to our lives. Because when we apply the scriptures, what we're saying is, God, I trust you enough to actually do what you say. And that means that we're willing to do what he says over things that we want to do. There's a lot of trust. You probably don't just take advice from anybody, I hope, right? We take advice from people that we know, that seem like are trustworthy, or if we're going to do something or we're going to buy something, we kind of want to know how it's endorsed because we don't want to make a, a foolish decision. But in life, many times, we have to keep getting to the point where we realize, you know what, God, when I obey, I'm saying that I actually trust that your way is better than my way. And that's hard to admit. That's what a quiet time is doing. It's, it's okay. God, as I take this scripture, and when you say that I have to be slow to anger and slow to speak, but quick to listen, like you say in James, if somebody says something to me that irritates me and I don't snap at them, I'm deciding that your way is more important than me letting them have it because of something they said. Inside of you, is you begin to change, and you 
you've now taken a value of God's view that's above your own, your own experiences, your own impulses, okay? This is all a part of the point of spiritual disciplines. That's how you turn down the noise. It's like, okay, here's what I value. Here's what's really important to me. Here's what God values. God, help me in my heart to begin to choose your way over the things that are really important to me. Uh, if you flip the page there, you'll see the, the hand illustration. How many of you have seen that before? Okay. If you haven't seen this before, um, I'm going to just spend a little bit of time on it. If you have, it will just be a refresher. The point of this is to show how do you get the Word of God into your life so that you actually can apply it. Okay? So I need a volunteer. Right there. What's your name? Steven. Steven. Come up, Steven. Give Steven a hand. You don't need anything? Just sign the waiver. Okay. So you'll see the, the, uh, the hand there with each finger is, um, what am I trying to say? It's like a, a point. It's a point of how to get the scriptures into your, into your life, okay? So, Stephen, if I were to say, grab this Bible, but only use your pinky finger. Is that what you call that, a pinky? Yeah. It is, right? Sometimes I say something, I'm like, did I make that up? <laughs> grab this with your pinky. Just one pinky? Just, yeah, just one pinky. Okay? Okay, good. I'll try try again. Try again. Hold on a second. Grab it with your pinky. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, the pinky is illustration of it's when you hear the Bible. When do you hear the Bible? Church. Home. Home. Maybe on the radio. Anyone ever listen to preachers on the radio? That's so 80s, right? <laughs> Not really, but we, we hear like in church mostly. It's people speaking about the Bible to us. So does Stephen have a firm grip on the Bible by just hearing it? No. Is hearing easy? It's easy, right? Does it take much discipline to hear? Depends. But hearing, you actually lose about 95% of what you hear within two days. So when you lead like a seminar or workshop, it's really depressing. Because on like Wednesday, if I said, hey, what was one thing you learned? You'd be like, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> Thanks. It's been a pleasure meeting you. But it's true. We, 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 we lose most of what we hear. Okay. So grab this now with your pinky and um, ring finger. Okay. Now, pretty good, right? Now, swing it. Good. Whoa. <laughs> you guys are like, it's just the splash zone. It's the Bible, though. Like, yeah. makes you more spiritual. <laughs> Not, don't, quote, don't write that down. Okay, so, so grab it. Now, do you think I can snatch this out of your hand? I don't know. I'm pretty fast. Okay. Let's see. No, I'm not. I'm not saying. <laughs> not with you moving. I'm just saying, like, if I were to grab it. Oh yeah. Oh, ninja. Uh, all right. So that's easy to grab, right? Now it's the same thing. Like, so you hear it, and he doesn't really have a firm grip. In fact, he couldn't even pick up the Bible. So it's basically saying you don't have a grip at all. Now. To read it, that's the next thing. Like, if I hear it and I read it, 
He has a little bit fir firmer grip, but is it a real strong grip? No. So his grasp of the scriptures isn't that great. Okay. Now, uh, use the, the next three. Okay, that's to, to study. So it's still a little awkward because you're kind of deciding, okay, which, where do I put the scripture? Like, which fingers? Right? How many people think I could probably snatch it out of his hand? I have like one? What is that? That's embarrassing for me. Uh, but I probably could grab this. Okay, so that was pretty easy, right? Yeah. Okay. So you, you get the point. Good, good job, Stephen. Well, you're done. You're good. And uh, if I would have thought, you could have had a prize, but I, I don't have one. Uh, sorry. But uh, as, as the illustration goes, it's showing you, like, the better grip you can get on the Bible. So hearing is, like, the least amount that it's actually kind of getting into your life to the point where you can apply it. Okay? And then you can read it, and then you, you can study. So the difference between reading and studying is you're, you're taking notes. Okay? That's the main reason. When you just read the Bible and you're not taking notes, you're reading it, not studying. That's usually how I remember it. Okay, uh, to memorize is to not just read it, but it's like it says it's actually like in your head. Okay, how many of you have memorized for a test this semester? Okay, how many of you, if I asked you what like question number two on that test was, would you be able to remember it? No, I was like awesome at memorizing for school and forgetting like right after that test. You guys ever do that? Does that still happen in school today? Yeah. We memorize it to that point where we need to download the information and then we forget it. Okay? So memorizing in itself is helpful, but you can still forget. Then you got the thumb. So if you, with my four fingers, I still, it's hard to get a grip, right? Because I, I don't have the thumb to kind of grasp it. So I have to still kind of decide which fingers am I going to put it in. It's a little awkward. Right? But as soon as I put my thumb, now the grip is a lot firmer. And that's meditation. And that's actually taking the time to not just hear it or read it or study it or memorize it, but like, what does it actually mean for me? And how could I apply this? And what would be the impact if I did that? But the firmest grip you can have, and I want you to write this if you have a pen, is on the palm of that illustration, write the word apply. Because you can get a firm grip with five fingers, but the firmest grip possible is where you put something right against your palm, right? Wouldn't you agree that this is a lot secure than like this, where it's kind of hanging out there, right? So what it's saying basically, this illustration, the idea, this is from the navigators, is you can do a lot of things to get the Bible into your life. But unless you're applying it to your life, it, it can just slip. It can just get lost. It can go in your brain and then it can go out. And so the way you really know how the scriptures are impacting you is based on what you're actually doing. How that has changed you or made some decisions for you different. That's the test. But no one can really decide that for you. You have to decide, how much am I applying the scripture? But to apply it, you have to know it. To know it, you have to read it. You have to hear it. You have to remember. So these aren't bad. It's just they're really tools for the ultimate goal of application in your life. Okay? Uh, here's some helpful application questions. Uh, what did it mean to the original hearers? That's important because the Bible was written in a specific time in history. 
and it's historically reliable. But there's things going on in the Bible that are different than what we face today. But it's important to know what some of those things are. Because you don't just want to read a scripture out of context and think, well, that's, that's me. Then you find out, well, that actually wasn't. Like, Paul was in prison. And so unless you're in prison, maybe the context is a little bit different, depending on what it is. Okay? So what does it mean for the original hearers? What is the underlying timeless principle? So as you're reading the scriptures, you're always wanting to know, like, what does this actually mean for me right now? Specifically, what does this mean as I relate to my roommates? What does this mean as I relate to my parents? What does this mean as I handle my responsibilities? What does it mean as I handle stress? What does it mean as I deal in conflict? You see what I'm saying? You're always wanting to know, not just what does it mean for your life, but what does it mean specifically with what you're dealing with and who you're dealing with, okay? That's some things that are helpful to kind of get to the timeless principles. Then, where or how could I apply that principle? So once you've thought about that, you've thought, what are the principles here that are going to impact my life? Then you think, like, well, what would that actually look like? And how would I know if I've applied it or not? So that's where it, it takes time. You actually have to think, like, I want to not be an angry person. And so you read a lot of scriptures on not being angry. But what would be some of the signs that you're not an angry person anymore? How would you know? Okay. Maybe you're not, like, yeah, trying to run people off the road on the freeway. If you're in Southern California, that's really difficult. Okay, what else? How else would you know that you've learned to not be as angry? Yes? Oh, okay. So there's a different quality of the relationships. Like people that may not have talked to you about stuff, maybe they start. Good. Any any other thoughts or ideas? Yes, sir. Well, you don't need to be specific. Like, you need to read that scripture that says, "Stop being angry." Okay. You know how to to talk to somebody. How would you know? Less hateful thoughts. What's that? Less hateful thoughts. Less hateful thoughts. I just have half the hateful thoughts now. Okay. But you get what I'm saying. It's actually hard, right? How do how do I know if I've applied it? right that's right it's like right before you're just gonna unload and vent at that person you catch yourself and the point of the scriptures is that's what the holy spirit uses to catch yourself because again it's god's way versus my way and the only way i change is if i allow him to permeate me and his thoughts to overcome my thoughts but i only know his thoughts as i know the scriptures and so as I'm going to just treat somebody in a certain way, there has to be something that triggers what's right and what's true. But the only way you know what's right and true is if you know the Word of God. Because within ourselves, it's hard. It's a battle. Does that make sense? So a lot of times the application comes in, in the moment you have the choice between sinning and not sinning. You choose not to sin. 
And the reason is the word of God compels you to do so. And that's the Holy Spirit. He uses that. Okay? Um, so that's why, we, that's why we focus on application. Uh, there's an acrostic developed by Rick Warren, which is like the weirdest acrostic ever called Space Pets. But believe it or not, you'll actually remember that for just the most random reason. Because why else would you ever come up with a word called Space Pets? But I'm not going to go over this much. But if you want to kind of find out um, how to apply something, you ask these questions. So take like 10 seconds. Look at the Space Pets, uh, those points on letter C. I still, I still use these to, to this day, and I, I've heard this years and years ago. But sometimes I'm reading the scriptures, and I'm trying to focus, and I'm dealing with the noise in my own life, and I'm just trying to think, God, what, what is it that I need to, to hear from you? And oftentimes I have to go to this. Well, is, is there a sin that I just need to deal with? It's part of my surrender. I just I can't, can't surrender if I'm not dealing with sin. Or is there a promise to claim, an attitude change? It's just this thing. It's kind of a constant reminder of, how do I allow the word of God to intersect my life? And these are just tools to do that. There's other things you can do, but that's kind of helpful to me. Um, how do I begin to get spiritually fit? How, how can I become a disciplined person, which that beginning scripture we read has value in, in all things. This thing, it's, this is valuable. Well, how, how, do I, how do I do it? Well, you have to actually decide to spend time with God. Okay. Um, my wife is back there, Samantha. She walked in. Everyone say hi. hi. But if I want to spend time with my wife, we have three kids. Uh, Katie, who's eight. Levi, who's six. And Jude, who's three. Okay? Spending time with my wife, believe it or not, is actually something that I have to fight for. Because we have three kids. And it's not easy just to get time with her without them. It's just how life flows as you have kids. But if I said, you know, Sam, I, I really love you and I, I want to spend time with you. Have I spent time with her yet? You know, but I, man, I really, just being with you is so helpful and I, I really just, just really love that. Have I spent time with her yet? At what point have I spent time with her? When it, we've spent time together. But that's how it is with God sometimes. It's like we forget there's a relationship. Like, God, I am, man, I love you, and I just, I want to get to know you, and I want to spend time with you. Glad we had that talk. And you just go about your day. And we speak in terms of desire. But again, like we went, talked about at the beginning, the issue is not desire. It's the other things that you desire more than spending time with God. And so the key to getting that time for the truth to flow in, you actually have to make time for it. Okay? You have to make time for it. So uh, when do you get a quiet time? Well, so select a specific time. When you're at your best, um, I don't know what that is for you. Some people are morning people. Some people are night people. Some people are middle of the day. Some people just... 
It's like no time works, it seems like. But you still have to fight for it. So when are you going to spend time with God? What I've discovered in my own life is if I haven't actually decided when I'm going to do it, I've decided that I'm not going to. Right? I was going to ask, like, do you guys decide whether you're going to go to class or not? But actually, yes. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of days you don't want to go to class until you don't. But you have a schedule, and you know, okay, I have to go to that class on that day. But with our time with God, we forget that it's actually something that we do have to schedule. But it's just it's like a relationship. I just, you know, just want to flow. Well, yeah, but you just have to get, make an appointment to see your doctor, right? You can't just show up like, hey, I just really like you, doctor, and I want to connect with you. But you actually have to make an appointment. And God's not a doctor, but the appointment is for us. So we, we've carved out the time. So when you're at your best, whenever that is, whatever your time, be consistent. Okay? So just decide when that is. After lunch, before lunch, after this class, before this class, at night, whenever it is. Begin with 15 minutes. How many of you think that you could find 15 minutes in your day to spend time with God? You think 15? I, I think I can do 15. I think you probably could do 15 too. The thing that we forget sometimes is we like, we turn it into like this big, like, I'm just going to spend time with God. And we have these, these lofty idea of what that is, but if we don't start just with this 15 minutes, we don't get any minutes. So just pick, pick just this doable time that you can kind of begin to get the, the, the practice in. Uh, where? Choose a quiet place. <clears throat> a quiet time, like the word, it does help if it's quiet. But again, there's some people that like a little background noise helps. There's some people that like they have to have it completely silent. Okay? One place I wouldn't suggest for a quiet time is like on your bed lying down <laughs> with no lights on. It's hard to read the Bible. But also, if you don't get out of bed, it's really difficult to stay awake. But whatever you're, you know, find a place where you can actually spend time free from distractions, free from the noise. Uh, gather resource, obviously, it's hard to read the Bible without the Bible, okay? But think through, like, okay, well, I do need to have my Bible with me. If I was going to plan to do it after class, and I don't have it, but you know what? There's still, like, your phone, okay? There's, like, apps on your phone, like the Bible app. The problem is, as soon as you turn the phone on, there's other apps on there as well that buy for our attention. So you kind of play in fire a little bit. Okay, so uh, you want to choose a quiet place. You want to gather resources you'll need. That, that all makes sense, I'm sure. Here's something that it helps me. Begin with right attitudes. Reverence. There's a part of, of which in Scripture you read, there's like the stillness that people have as they approach God. There's just like they, they're coming and they need to actually take the time to kind of get out of the noise that we've been talking about and enter into I need to hear from you, God, time, okay? As you do that, the reverence is this idea of in the flow of everything I'm doing, the busyness I have, the tasks and assignments, relationship, everything that's on my mind, that can cloud out the fact that I get the opportunity to spend time with God. And so reverence, that being still and knowing, oh my God, it's, it's recognizing who your audience is. And it's God. And that just... It's so easy just, well, yeah, that's what spending time with God is, but we get to spend time with God. That's one of the most powerful things that Jesus showed us is 
he has allowed us, because of who he is and the sacrifice he made, despite what we've done, we can actually have an opportunity to approach God. And so reverence is this idea of, God, help me to know who you are. And help me in the busyness and all the things that I have going on to quiet myself before you, okay? Um, expectancy, that's another attitude. Open my eyes and I may see wonderful things in your law. It's just this idea of, God, will you show me something that I need to hear? God, will you teach me something I need to learn? And you, you, you're just expecting him to, to show you something. Because he's God and he's good. And then obedience. Be, uh, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness. This idea of, God, as, I, as I'm learning about you, help me to apply this. Not just gain more knowledge, but help me to actually do it. And that's what you have to do with your heart. God, I, I'm pretty lazy right now, and I really don't want to do this. God, help me in the midst of that. Soften my heart so I can actually obey you. Okay? Um, follow a 15-minute plan. Um, do you have blanks there, or is it it's filled in, right? Okay. This 15-minute plan is like, it's really just a tool. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but it's really this idea of how do I get a quiet time. And if you've never had a quiet time before, this could help. If you have, you may not need this, but this is this, is this idea of, okay, it's just using R's. Okay, the first is relax. That's this idea of the reverence. You got to relax. You got to get before God. All your worries and concerns, maybe write those down. Just here's all the things that I've got on my plate that are kind of freaking me out right now. Write those down and relax before God. Okay? So it starts with that. Uh, then read a verse. It's really difficult to get into scriptures without actually reading it. But there's times in my life where it's like I've come before God and I'm thinking about all the stuff and I'm my, checking my attitude and then I'm like, well, I'm out of time. Wait a second, I didn't even read the scriptures. You have to kind of think through, okay, you got you to get to the scriptures. So spend some time on that. Reflect. Uh, that's thinking through the application, the space pets. Uh, record. Uh, what, what God did, that's the, the idea of, okay, well, what does this mean for me now? And, and you begin to jot that down. That's where kind of the reading and the studying intersect, okay? So what's going on with me right now, and how could I apply this? And you, you record that. And then request, that's the prayer. And prayer is a part of quiet time, too. Like in any relationship, there's a dialogue. And so our prayers is we're, we're talking to God. And he communicates to us primarily through the scriptures. And so he speaks to us, and we speak to him. And that's the relationship. He speaks to us, and we speak to him. And so when we're requesting, there's another acrostic, acts. You may have heard this again, but it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. When you begin, if you're new to spiritual disciplines, this can become just really helpful tools. Some of the time, it can just become like rote. Like, okay, acts, adore, God, I adore you. Confess, I've messed up. Thank you, God. Supplicate, give me what I need. That's kind of a stale relationship. You wouldn't do that with a person. That's going through the motions, okay? Have you ever talked with somebody and like, <laughs> you could tell they've no longer listening to you, right? How do you know? Yeah, oh, really? What else? Glazed over, yeah. I, I, I Look at their phone. 
You ever been guilty of that? Someone's talking, you're like, yeah, yeah. But that's what we do with God sometimes. It's like we, we pray, and it's like we're glazed over. And so there's part of this where you just have to begin to get this discipline. And, and, and as it gets stale, you just keep asking God. It's part of the battle. Just help me, God. Help me for this not to be, be stale, okay? Uh, developing a prayer life. I just put that there because that's um, th- this is how you kind of process through it. So the acts across it, God, you are, and you have to think through well, who is God. And if, you, if you're not sure, like, how to adore God, like, how to worship him, uh, read the Psalms. The Psalms are great ways to kind of have things to pray about how to adore God. Their primary, like, a lot of worship is, is found in the Psalms. Uh, confess. You probably can think of what you need to confess in your life. But you, you may have to ask God to show you, and then you, you, you do that. If you don't focus on confession, like, as you're reading the scriptures, and you realize that you've sinned before God, and you don't focus on confessing, it's like working out with a cheeseburger. You ever seen that at the gym? Like, I haven't, but an elliptical, and dude's just pounding like a double-double in and out, and he's just... Does that make sense? No, like, at least eat it after, right? But when we don't deal with our sin, it's like, God, I surrender to you. God, I want to obey you, but I'm not going to really deal with what's going on in my heart. Just like you can't be spiritually fit and eat junk food while you're doing it. It's the same thing. Prayer is an opportunity. God, help me to deal with what's really going on, and that's what confession is, okay? Uh, Thanksgiving, God, I'm grateful for. What are the things that you're grateful for? And then supplication. What, what's... What are some things that you really need God to come through? Okay? Just like a quick survey. How many of you, it's harder to read the scriptures or it's harder to pray? Which one? Prayer. Which is one is prayer is more of a struggle, okay? What about reading the scriptures? Okay. So it's both. Depending on where you're at in life, it may flip-flop. It may always stay that way. But you still have to, you still have to fight and battle um, there's a section, Chris, what time am I supposed to be done? Do you know? 5.50? Okay. Um, six minutes? Okay. Why are spiritual disciplines so hard? I'm actually not going to go over that because we've talked about that, but there's some just different categories of if it's feeling just like, blah, spending time with God, there's some things there. Why is diligence so hard? And then you've got suggestions for staying spiritually fit. You guys see that? You guys see that on there? Okay. Uh, go to bed on time. That's the idea. If you're going to wake up in the morning and spend time with God, you actually have to go to bed. And the reason you go to bed on time is the last thing you want to do is get up in the morning after you've had like three hours of sleep and spend time with Jesus. Let's just be real. So the night before, what you're choosing is again showing your desire. So you know, the roommates come, it's like, let's go eat, let's go pound it. Like, that's what I loved about college. Like, there are no meal times. Like, every time is a meal time. <laughs> it doesn't matter how late it is. It's like, yeah, we're hungry. Let's do it. But the later you stay up, the higher the probability is you're not going to spend time with Jesus. That's how it is. You have to just realize that. So that, does it mean that you can't go out to eat at night? 
anymore? No, but it's still going to be a battle. Okay. Um, get up immediately when your alarm gets off. If, again, if this is in the morning. Um, if it's a different time, still you have to decide, okay, I've got to start it right now. Um, be aware of quiet time robbers. What will keep me up late? Or what will keep me busy? Like, what's the noise? Like, if you love watching, like, late night TV, that's going to be part of the noise you have to deal with. If you love, like, looking at Facebook all the time, that's going to be part of the noise you have to deal with. If you love texting your friends and they text you all the time, that's going to be part of the noise you have to deal with. All those things can rob God speaking to you. So you have to deal with that and you have to put some boundaries. You actually have to turn off your phone maybe. Okay? Like, heaven forbid, right? Like, who does that? But you might have to do that. Um, what if I miss a day? So if you're starting out and you're like thinking, okay, I want to get to know God. I want to spend time with him. The worst thing you can do is beat yourself up. You guys know what that means, to beat yourself up? We, we probably do that. We each have our own version. God, I missed my quiet time again. <laughs> I'm the worst person ever. How could you love me? And you just you spiral out. Or you like you distance yourself from God. I, I do this. Like I don't spend time with him, and then I think, well, I haven't spent time with him. And so like, we've got a problem. Because we're a problem, I'll just avoid him more. And man, since I'm avoiding him more, it's like I, I got to avoid him even more because it's awkward now. It's very subtle. We don't think about this, but this happens a lot with sin. It happens a lot when we're just kind of going on our own way. We think the weirder it is, the more we distance ourselves until we're way far removed, and you're like, wow, I've drifted so far. The good thing is, don't become guilty. Just deal with it, God. I missed my quiet time today. But can you get that before you go to bed? Possibly. So choose it. It may not be in like this exact time that you always do it, but there's always an opportunity where you can stop and hear from God. You can pray and talk to him. Okay? Don't become legalistic. I don't know if you battle that, but it's this idea of like, well, this wasn't at this exact time that I wanted, or it didn't feel like it should have felt. But what's it supposed to feel like? I don't know, but it didn't feel right. Sometimes, sometimes you just have to choose the discipline, even when you don't feel it. It's really difficult. And then don't, don't give up. Okay? Here, here's the ultimate thing that's hard. It takes three weeks to become familiar with a new task. Three weeks. Dude, does that sound like, that sounds like a long time. So three weeks just to become familiar. It takes like another three weeks for something to become a habit. So six weeks for you to decide like, I really want it. So there's a lot that can happen between now and six weeks for you to decide that you don't really want it. And that's what you have to deal with. And so I encourage you, in the midst of all the things that you have going on in your life, ask God to show you what's the noise. What's the noise? And then ask him, God, what is it that I desire more than spending time with you? And as he shows you something, confess it. God, I admit it. I put that in front of you. And if he shows you something else, confess it. God, I admit it. I put that in front of you. And then you get to the point where you've dealt with all the things that are preventing him from speaking to your life. Okay? And I know for myself and I know for my wife, we've been walking with God a long time. But it's still a battle that I still have to choose each day to surrender and deal with the things 
that I value more than spending time with God. I'd like to take any questions if you guys have them. If there are any questions or comments or anything that uh, you'd like to ask. Yes, ma'am. you say one other like dialoguing with somebody else about like what they're learning what you're learning I I would say that that is huge but it's not necessarily God like the development of your relationship with God it's really that's part of fellowship like it's koinonia like it's this edification you're telling me what God's doing in your life and what he's teaching you and I'm telling you and then we're kind of sharing uh, that with each other and so the key, though, is if that's all you're doing, sometimes you could short circuit the opportunity God wants to speak to you in. So I think it's just a balance, but I think it's, I think it's really important. I find myself, as I share things that I'm learning, I actually get more insight. So I don't know if that answers your question. That's a good question. I think the first question is how crucial is you knowing that definition? Yeah. And if it is, then do it and then just put the phone away. Yeah. Now, if it's not crucial, but you'd still like to know, then make a note of it and look it up later. And then you can just do that in the context of whatever else you have going on. So, good question. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. You know what, for me, when, I, when I'm guilty, you know, when, when I feel guilt, the bottom line of guilt is pride. It's so backwards. But I feel guilty because I expect more of myself. That's what guilt is. I expect more than I did, and I disappointed myself. But I'm disappointed in myself, and it's really like I have a high view of what I can do. And so for me, when I'm guilty, I just have to humble myself. God, I blew it again. And you know what, God? I have a habit of blowing it. And I really say a lot of things, but I don't do it. And I'm really hard on myself, but I realize the only way I can change is because of you. And so I just, I just confess before God that I'm down mostly because I'm choosing pride. Because a lot of what happens as you distance yourself, you're then saying that like you're, even your guilt is more important than your relationship with God because it's allowing you to, to date yourself. 
The other thing with that is the enemy really uses guilt and shame. That's what he did in, you know, in the beginning of time in the garden. It's this idea of you've sinned, you've messed up. Now God doesn't want anything from you. That's why they hid from God, Adam and Eve. You know, and so as you get in the guilt and shame, you really don't want to let that lie for too long. Because it's just, it causes a wedge. So, good question. Any other questions? Uh, just real quick as I wrap up, I'm a little bit over, but what's like one thing that kind of stood out to you? What's one thing that stood out to you just personally? Yes. Good. Yeah, Buck behind. Um, I really like the It's helpful to me too. Any other takeaways? Yes, sir. The importance of discipline. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It impacts a lot. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. It's really the thing of the more the more I don't deal with who I am, the more I'm. God can't change me. Because you know what? I, I am wherever I am. <laughs> Anything else? Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys being so attentive.